truth response. Uh, a post that I saw, and I don't ever repost things. I save them to my phone and then post them you so I can credit? take all the credit. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I just don't like the format of the repost thing. It just is, it's not clean. Anyways, uh, it says Christianity does not progress with the times. If it did, it would be a false religion. Do not be deceived into thinking that there is a progressive form of Christianity. It doesn't exist because the truth never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. That's what the, the picture on the post says. And right out the right out the gate, my mom posted amen. So, hey, my mom looks at my Facebook. That's yeah, exciting. I was going to post something, but I didn't want you to get a swelled head. Oh. <laughs> I get nervous about it. I don't get any positive reinforcement, no. so... Uh, it's probably for the best. It's for yeah. the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, everybody in this room recognizes that. <laughs> but the immediate post after that was by a friend of mine, and they said there are numerous parts that talk about he- beating your wives, owning slaves, and heck, even cutting your hair. Tradition is one thing, but this, but a statement like this is just hypocritical. Um. You know, that H word is always the word that everyone uses all the time. I don't think it means that word means what you think it means. (laughs) So, what are you guys' thoughts? Am I completely out there? As much as I want to tell you you're wrong, I will refrain. (laughs) 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 Which means he's right. That means means you think I'm right. I think... um, I'm not going to say those words. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I... you are correct. I believe we can all say that you're, you're correct in the original post, but I think that is something that the church runs into a lot, is that the misconception that we're hypocritical. Mm-hmm. So what I would like to know is how do we combat that? How do we, mm-hmm. how do we tell somebody that, look, what you're looking at, you really don't understand, and kind of talk to, maybe talk to that? I think we should start with the definition of hypocritical. Like, people throw that word around so much, but it's just like calling somebody a liar. Does lying one time make you a liar? Yes. No, it does not. No, book, it doesn't. Jesus says so. It doesn't make you a liar. It doesn't. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. You're right, right. It makes you a sinner. There's a difference. Like, it doesn't make you a liar. Somebody, if, if you were to be labeled something, it means you've done it more than once. Like, it's, it's, a, it's so a part of who you are. How, how many times do I have to lie to be labeled a liar? Uh, it needs to be a part of who you are, okay. right? Like that's becomes a character trait, right? Okay, right. Fair enough. He's known as the liar. <laughs> so, like hypocrisy, like that is a I'm preaching this thing and living this way, True. and don't True. want to change, right? Like I'm not trying to change. I, I'm I don't care that I live this way, even though I preach the opposite of the way that I live or the things that I say, right? Like. That people don't understand that, like, we as Christians are constantly a lot of times in turmoil over the fact that we're not changing the things that we're doing that are screwing up. Like, right. we it's not that we don't want to change, it's that we struggle a lot of times, just like all of humanity does, to, to change things in our lives, right? Like, we we don't want to live in these things that that we end up falling into, and so. 
I, I think that I think that if we can be called hypocrites well I guess the only reason that we're called hypocrites is because we are striving to follow the things that we claim to believe right. and everyone else's belief systems just allow for them to live however the hell they want to what it sounds like is you're not beating your wife and therefore you're a hypocrite well, I don't know if although if I'm fairly certain your wife <laughs> would, be, would be the one that beats I'm you. the abused one okay <laughs> like well, not to make light of a serious situation but in the context of that post though I don't she's not calling you a hypocrite more than she's calling the statement hypocritical in other words you know sure mm-hmm. that's that's one way of putting it it's one way of seeing it Derek likes to take it as that's his direct assault right she says right. she does directly say but a statement like this is just hypocritical so where, the idea where in the Bible does it even condone beating your wife? Like I'm, I'm. That was the one where I was like, I don't. Okay. Well, the other two, I'm like, I, okay, I get what you're, where you're at least coming from, but I just, I can't even rationalize the first statement. Right. So that's where I, I, I responded with, I would be happy to address any specific scriptures that you were referring to. I don't mind at all if you just give me the reference. Uh, I can explain. What is going on with it? Like, I I have no problem talking about it, but I would love to have the references. Like, that's that's another thing is, is a lot of times it's like, well, your book says these things. And it's like, okay, tell me what you're talking about. Tell mm-hmm. me where. Cite and your have sources. Have you read it? Right. Like, have you actually read the con- context of what it's used? Is it actually telling them to do that? Or is it like I've seen so many people use it completely out of context and it's like, that's not what it's saying at all. Did you, like, look it up and read it? Well, no. Okay, then you don't really have, you know, a platform to stand on if you haven't actually read it and done your research and stuff like that. And, like, actually read it from the Bible, not from some secondhand source either. Well, and they go on, they go on to say, like, they bring up Martin Luther, right? And I don't know. They, they called Martin Luther, you know... being progressive and and my argument was that no he was correcting the mistakes that had been he was fundamental he was a fundamental he he took it back to the basics he Mm -hmm. took it back to the the original context like that's not progressive that is destroying the progressiveness that had already seeped in Mm -hmm. so i don't know like there is let's let's take this one one little step step further and and let's talk about just you use the word progressive. What does that mean? What is what is this concept, this notion of... I mean, Christianity does progress, mm-hmm. but what is progressive Christianity? It's, does Christianity progress? I, I explain what you mean by that, because I, I, f- I would... I feel like it's implied that it's, like, progressive Christianity is changing to keep up with the times and mm-hmm. make it more palatable yeah. in some ways. Um, which might not be how other people see it, how people that are outside of the faith see see it necessarily. They see it more as, like, more acceptable, I guess. I don't know. Tolerant? Tolerant, yeah. Um, Yeah, so my statement of it progresses is basically just it endures. Mm. It endures. through time. It, it, Correct. Time-wise. It's still progress. But that's that's not at all what anybody is talking about, obviously, oh, whenever 
in our in our context, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not. I just want to make I mean, sure. kind of, but like when when you're talking about progressive things, it is talking about well, we've become more enlightened. So now we have to adjust all of these things, whether it's science or, or religion or whatever, mm-hmm. to fit the things that we now, quote unquote, know to be true. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, the Bible doesn't change, man. Like right. our, mm-hmm. our Christianity does not change right. in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Like it, it does progress through time, but... I, I would challenge that it doesn't we, change. As believers, we progress. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And I'll agree with that. The way that we present it may change. It's the same mm-hmm. message. Because this is how, in one of my, um, oh gosh, postmodern books about postmodern Christianity, um, it described it in, like, you're in one of four quadrants. You said you're in. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Aaron. Does somebody have to pee? Nope. No. Derek will in okay. yeah. probably about twenty minutes. So here's yep. another spot where there's <laughs> where ev- the message stays the same, and the way that you do it does the way that you like the way that you do things does right. stays the same. The message stays the same, but the method the methods change. No, there was there's four different divisions of it. Oh. You could so the message stay, stays the same, and the way you do it doesn't change. So you're, if you're in that, you know that's one way of doing it. Um, the message doesn't change, but the methods change, and then both of them change, mm. and then um, the message changes, but the methods stay the same. So it's the four quadrants. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, and I was like, huh, it'd be interesting to see where all, you know, these different churches in the postmodern movement, because that was a big deal when I was in college, um, would be. Mm-hmm. And so it actually made us take a test to figure out where we were in that. Where are you? The, it's the same message, but the method changes. Okay. <laughs> and it has to change. Oh. Well, it has to change, mm-hmm. right? I mean, uh oh, uh oh, this guy over here. Well, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, he hates. This, uh, is my, this is my. He's listening. just loaded this, his. This he is, just loaded his. This bazooka. is. This is oh, his. I hate change face. Yeah. You can't <laughs> but see the, it, but, but the this me- is my listening face. It, the method has to change, right? I mean, we're not. Yes. We're not the same. I don't want to say we're not the same people because we are. I mean, as human beings, we are the same. Right. But we don't see and hear things the same way. Does that make sense? Yes. What do you what do you mean? What do you mean by the method? What what are we talking about? Like Well, like I mean, well, I mean, uh, let's go back say you know, all right, 30 years. Okay. Um when I was going to church when I was a kid, which is a lot more than 30 years ago, by the way. Um it was a piano and a fire and brimstone preacher. Um, we did an altar call every time at the end of the service. I think at the at that time uh, we took communion every week, like we do here. Were we Were you going to a uh, a non denominational Christian church like you're at now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you know potluck afterwards, right? But here now in this church in this day and age. You know, we've got lighting, and we've got different music. We've got a full band up there. The preaching is not from 
so much from a platform as you are down, you know, in amongst the people, I will say, you know, you're still a little elevated, but you're, you're, you're preaching amongst the people. Um, you know, the communion stays the same. And I think that's attractive to young, the, the younger group, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the method, it, the method has to change just to keep up with where the, 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 the times you're living in. Not necessarily the message has to change. The message, and the message should never change. No. But the method that it's brought about, like, well, and another, another, for instance, is now we do, rather than it maybe coming over a radio program, now we're doing podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you're um, not picking so up a cassette or a CD. Yeah, you're after, doing a podcast. After you're gathering, you're right. doing a podcast, you're mm-hmm. streaming. So, so you're talking about delivery and, and presentation of the same message, right? That's, that's what, that's what method, method would okay. be. Yeah, yeah okay. that's what method would be. So it go, it's from, I mean, and it's not, the, it's not necessarily entirely embraced, but you, Mark hit the nail on the head. And 30 years ago, you'd walk into a church, you knew what to expect. You had pews, you had usually... A lighter colored building you had um, it was usually bright there's a lot of windows um, you had a, a pastor or preacher that was probably wearing at the very least slacks and a button-up shirt now or maybe even suit and tie um, you had you had the potluck thing you would have had traditional hymns that were were being played um, probably with a piano or an organ and that was generally the approach given. You had even naming scheme, right? There probably 30 years ago wouldn't have been a rise, a rise Christian church. There would have been Lehigh Acres Christian church, right? So you even think about those types of things from, uh, from a cultural standpoint. They have, those things have changed in, in the trajectory of the church. Has that changed? Does that mean the, me- the message itself has changed? No. It doesn't mean the message has changed. Unless you start to step on things that are pretty hardcore scriptural truths. But are any of those things a scriptural, this is how you ought to when you gather? So... Not necessary. Shoot your right. bazooka, dude. So, I know you want to. So I, it's not. This isn't. This one's not one of those. Oh, you're wrong. I'm right. Kind of a, a deals here. This is a. This is something I've actually been mm. struggling through and and thinking through a lot lately. Um, is the idea that, like, I think that that we would all agree that not all change is good change, right? Correct. Like, Correct. it's not always a good thing to to change things. Um, but I've been thinking a lot lately, like. With the way that the church has changed in the past 50, 60, 70, 80 years, I don't know, 100 years, um, man, have we, like, made some bad changes? Yes. In in our methods? Like, have we made some major mistakes that have led mm-hmm. to us changing possibly the message? And has it led to the country getting us to the place that we're at now? Like... <sighs> Maybe. I think it's twofold. I, I really, mm-hmm. I really feel like right now, you experience the the twofold issue of what's happened. One is the reluctance to change over the past hundred years, and most of those churches are dead or dying. I, it's just the way it's been. If 
if you're still showing up in the same building with the same paint and the same carpet and the same pews and the same hymnals and the same organist and the, you're, you're doing all of the same exact things that you did a hundred years ago, the people that were coming to your church are all over 80, sure. at least over 50, right? And your church is, is slowly or in some cases quickly working its way into a point of absolute obscurity where nobody cares at all. You have zero influence on the community and nobody cares at all what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're working. You're, you're, you're just a building in the community. And you've become incredibly inward focused because you're so reluctant to the way that our culture has shifted and changed that you you just look at everybody else and just say, well, they're going to burn and that's fine. The other way that things have been approached is the hyper focus on change, where everything's different all the time. And to some extent, you become so uber relational that you have abandoned the message. Like you, you've, you've abandoned, like you, you are, you're cherry picking. I mean, you can preach on, you could preach on grace every week if you wanted to, because the Bible is filled with it. And you could, you could definitely do that. We all need to hear those kind of things. Or you could preach on judgment every week if you wanted to. And, but when you become solely fixated on one of those elements, then, then you, you lose your footing for relevance in the context you're in as well. Jesus taught in an incredibly relevant way to everyone he spoke to. And a lot of those teachings, even the way that they're delivered and the way that they were delivered 2,000 years ago, are still pertinent. And you talk about fields and sowing and reaping. Like, I get it. We're not overly agricultural, but we still kind of are like, I, I get that. And when you talk about things like wealth and money management and being a, you know, being a slave to your, your lender if you take out debt and all those kind of things, like, oh, there's some, some relevant messages still that exist in there. But we don't grasp the fullness of the context. Like, and I know we've talked about slavery in the past, and the Bible's the Bible's seemingly seeming silence, perhaps, on slavery. Um, but they were speaking to a time and a culture. Jesus was speaking in a time to to a time and in a time and to a culture that couldn't fathom life outside of that. Mm. And the other crazy thing is, the Bible even goes on to say, "If you can be free, be free." The other side of it is if you are a slave owner, which we recognize, hopefully, that slavery in the biblical context is not even close to slavery in, you know, colonial America context. Like, that was very different. Um, so there's a lot of context that needs to be understood as well. So I think, I think yes, change can bring great harm, and we've seen that influence on the church, prosperity gospel, right, um, and prosperity preachers and televangelists and, and all of that kind of stuff, which has done far more harm for the church than good. And then the other side of things, which is your, I'm not even going to name a church that is just not relevant anymore and is having zero impact in the community and because it's turned so far inwards because it it can't connect at all to the the culture around it. Mm -hmm.
And we should say, well, the gospel's enough. Yeah, it is. And Jesus calls us to adapt, not change, but adapt to the current climate to be able to make the teaching that we have relevant. And there's a way to do that, I I think. I mean, I am certainly not the one to author that book, but I feel like what you get on, at least on a Sunday morning, is something that it's like, oh, I can connect to that in in my, my current context, and I see how that cultural element really plays a, plays a factor into what this, what this thing is revealing in, in Scripture, even in the Old Testament, which we often neglect, is highly neglected, I think, in, in current, in modern churches. Um, so there is certainly a line to toe, but you, you're onto something where, yeah, change can be incredibly harmful, but not changing can be just as harmful mm. if you're not doing it with the right intention. Hmm. I don't know. I've just been thinking through, like, a lot of the, the things that, like, we do mm-hmm. and some of the focuses we put on things, and myself included, like, production, right? Like, I'm a big stickler on lights and how all that looks, and I think about all that stuff, and... and uh, I almost wonder if, man, the church would be better off without all that. Like, as much as I hate to say something like that, like, you know, what if they just came in and the lights were on and we had some old school acoustical worship? We've done that. Yeah, and people were like, give us more. Mm -hmm. Like, this is, we're actually connecting, you know. And I don't know. I just... I wonder if some of the changes we've made, well, you and I were talking about it very briefly right before um, we started recording the podcast, that um, just the like the atmosphere of, um, dang, my brain, it's not. We're talking about it, you, you brought it up before, before in the office. Mm. It's right there. Mm-hmm. It's right there. It's right there. Sorry, Mark. I'm expecting a raise. <laughs> <laughs> we'll double what you pay if we pay yeah. you. Yeah. We'll double your pay. I don't know. I, just the. Well, I will say this. Um, I think we can overproduce, right? Sure. We can Absolutely. overdo it and, and cause more of a distraction than we mm-hmm. can. Um, bringing people in. We talk about making a distraction-free environment, but I think we have to be very careful with with the way we do things in that sanctuary as far as lighting and that kind of thing because I believe people get caught up in the show. What's the yeah. show? Exactly. Yeah. The sh- we get caught up in the show and not the go. You know what are we? What are we doing? Oh, that was um, good. I think including Write that the, down. the musicians, mm. including the musicians. I, I think so. Like, I mean, I'm speaking from from the perspective of one of those musicians that like, I do think that, that you're right. I think that we get caught up in some of that. And I, I worry more recently that, that man, we're tugging too emotionally. Like I understand that you got to hit people in, in the fields, but like, I wonder if some of the things that we've adapted and, and adopted, um, have been almost as bad as it sounds like, a, a emotional manipulation 
And like, for instance, uh, I saw a TikTok, of course, um, the other day about uh, how, you know, it was kind of ironic too, how when you get to the end of a message, most preachers start playing pads and then some piano. And then, you know, and I think he brought in the idea like, uh, preachers have like learned to become emotional on cue mm. and and that sort of thing and I just yeah. I, I watched that and I was and like it was I kind can't. of ironic because he had music and pads being played <laughs> behind him while he was saying it and I was like I don't there know if he's trying to do one this to solitary be like, tear that rolled you know, down his left um, cheek but it it's a really good point I, I, I don't see I mean I'm not saying Jesus wasn't emotional when he, when he taught at times right but a lot of his stuff was parable form, mm-hmm. and that definitely wasn't tugging on emotions for the most part. It confused a lot of people, to be honest. But um, I just didn't see him trying to tug on emotions whenever he was teaching. Maybe whenever he was like, hey, <laughs> you know, I, me, I'm not going to judge you either. That's different, right? That's a whole different conversation and context but i just i don't know I, i'm worried at times like the, you, that that you, has become a thing in yeah. the church not necessarily ours not necessarily whatever but it's something that that i feel like we really got to be careful about like during worship right during musical worship like instead of telling people what to do inviting people to explore you know their praise in a different way yeah, and different expression, but like, I think a lot of times we try to force people to to praise and express their their worship to God in in a in a way that we want them to, mm-hmm. instead of allowing it to be organic, and then sure. and then meeting Jesus in their mm-hmm. seats, mm-hmm. you know, which is our goal. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's the point, mm-hmm. is that we want to foster that the ease right the the distraction free environment to be able to best effectively together as a group just meet jesus where we're at Mm -hmm. like that's the whole point of it and so i get where you're coming from i i I can see that like you don't want to you don't want to hyper emotionalize Mm -hmm. what's happening on it should be emotional that's one of the things that God has given to us in a way that he calls us to respond. Well, I think that it can is be. Is with emotion. But but should it always be? And it, that's, that's... Yeah, I don't think it should always be. I, I I feel like it's a natural response in a lot of a lot of contexts is some... You should feel some form of emotion when you gather on a Sunday morning. Whether that is... Whether it is sadness or sh- or, or or anger or love or you know any any of the gamut of emotions you should feel something through the course of a gathering on on a sunday or whatever day you might gather so to say that it's not an emotional endeavor i think robs god of that connection that he has with us well i'm not saying that it's not i'm saying that i to manufacture it i'm i i worry that that it there is emotional manipulation happening and on accident, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like not even intentionally, you know, that's, I mean, that's something that I've, I, it's come to my attention more recently that that is a possibility. I hadn't even thought about it. Um, 
really all that much um, before. And so, I don't know. I just, I think that lighting can can cause that. And, sure. you know, everything can. The songs we'll be singing yeah. and, the, and the amount of musicians and the, you know, low, high, you know, lots of lights, no lights. Like, I just, I don't know something i've been thinking about and yeah. i think it falls all into i mean a lot of this the church has changed right mm-hmm. and and not necessarily for the better in in america and so i'm just trying to analyze what what was what were the little things if it was a bunch of little things what were they how do we get back on track like because if we don't now we're not gonna mm-hmm. so I don't know if we're necessarily off track. And this was something that, uh, you know, I said in the past is that I love the fact that there's different denominations within within Christianity. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, tell me if I'm in I'm off base. But, you know, I don't think Christianity. Not at you. I mean, at its core, it's a one size fit all fits all right. But worship is not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so, you know, the Methodists, God love them, they do, they do worship. Now, I'm not talking about the the progressive Methodists because that's a whole other subject. But, you know, Methodists do worship a little different than what we do. Um, uh, you know, Presbyterians do worship incredibly different than what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's I think that's one of the things that's really cool about you know worship in and of itself is because it, it's you can go to five different churches and it looks different five different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't have all those same experiences at exactly. those different churches. Mm-hmm. Just they're different contexts. Right. Sure, and that's not even what I'm I'm discussing because I agree a hundred percent. I I like the fact that you know you've got the different parts of the body as, as different denominations. Um, but we as a church, right, including all of those denominations, Big something has changed. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. something, something has changed, whether it's a bunch of little things or some major things that has allowed our, at least our country's context to be in a position where, well, there's a thing called progressive Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not little. It's not just a few people. It is a lot. It is a lot of churches that are are under this. It's not just a couple, and it's not just little, you know, known people. It's well-known people, mm-hmm. well-known, quote-unquote, scholars and preachers mm-hmm. that are that are under this. And so, like, what? that's what I'm saying. Like, there, there's an issue... And I think it's a I think it's a big dose of narcissism, mm-hmm. narcissism, right? People think that they know better mm-hmm. than what the book is telling us, right? They have taken that, they have taken the Bible, and stretched it into what they think it should be. And to me, that's a that's a narcissistic view. Okay, you divine know? narcissism. Because I hear a, that word a lot, and I think I know what it means. But the, the way I the, the way I define narcissism like. is that you put yourself, you think yourself better than anything or everybody else. You're number one. You're it. So my opinion as a narcissist would be would account way more than yours. 
you know, your opinion is not as good as mine. Or the way I do things is better than yours. So, and then that's what I'm saying is that, you know, America in and of itself, because we consider our, our country the greatest country in the world, we think we got it going on. And then we stretch and contort that, that the Bible to fit our, our views. But the irony is that the people who, who are talking about these progressive Christians would argue that this isn't the greatest country. And it's not a great country. But that's the, a lot of the things that we're hearing. Is but that isn't that not. a narcissistic view in and of itself? Right? Isn't that saying that, you know what, this country is not the greatest country in the world, and I know that it's not the greatest country in the world. Kennedy. My, my yeah. opinion of the country is better than yours. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You know what this makes me think about? Because this isn't even a segue that you wanted, but I'm going to bring it to you anyway. You guys have seen the movie The Avengers, right? So, and the, the main villain of The Avengers is Thanos. Like, he's the guy, like, you have the Ultron thing, but in the background is stirring, it's Thanos. And Thanos, his concept and, and outlook is narcissistic, thinking that he knows the best way for humanity to operate. And it, then his desire is, I, what I have to do in order to achieve this is i got to collect the Infinity Stones, i got to snap my fingers, and then when I do that, in order to save the universe... I've got to eliminate half of all of its inhabitants. That's what he does, right? And mm-hmm. so he's established a religion for himself. He's put himself in the role of God. And the interesting thing is he never sees himself as the villain. Regardless of the the quote-unquote supposed harm that he brings, he's doing it for the greater good. He's he's killing people groups, alien life form groups, um, he's destroying planets. He's leaving a wake of blood and destruction in his path because he feels like, because he recognizes that this is the only way to save the universe. And the, the crazy thing is, is we would, we label him the villain through and through, but he never sees himself that way. In fact, how do you find him in the beginning of Endgame? You find him retired on this, living alone out in the woods, like beautiful, pristine field that he, he's cultivated. Like you see his armor, his sword, just out in the field, hanging up kind of as a scarecrow. Like there's, he's done. He's accomplished what he set out to do. And, and that's it. And then on the backside of that, to him, the Avengers are all the villains. And then it gives us the, the question that we have to ask is, well, Who's to say that Thanos was wrong? Mm-hmm. There's got to be some moral yeah. foundation that's laid if. that gives us the the understanding that Thanos was wrong by eliminating half of life in all of the universe mm-hmm. in order to allow it to be able to continue to sustain itself because of the resources being depleted. Who's wrong? The Avengers or Thanos? The Avengers. Huh. Are they? I think it's at least a possibility you got to think about. Sure. Because, like, I mean, even even uh, Doctor Strange, right? Mm-hmm. He went through and used the Infinity Stone, the green one, whatever, the time one, whatever that one, that one. I don't know all that. But, like, to view every single possible outcome to find the one where they win, mm-hmm. right? Like... 
I'd say that's kind of narcissistic in a way. Isn't and it? we cheer that on, right? Right. Like, that's the right thing. Him, him being able to see that, and then, you know, obviously it was a Tony Stark that asks which one, you know, which one are we in right now? And at that, that point, Doctor Strange is like, I, I don't know yet. But Well, here's another thing, though, with that is instead of looking at the future, not looking at let, which one do we win, but instead of looking at, like, the outcomes and looking for the best possible outcome, mm-hmm. regardless of who wins, right? Like, he looked for the one that the Avengers won. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I don't know, man. Like, I think that that's... I mean, I get it. And I, I don't necessarily think that Thanos was right, but... I don't know. I think there's a bigger picture. Yeah. I think, like, going back to the whole, like, you know, he didn't see himself as the villain is, like, nobody from their perspective is the villain. Like... Mm-hmm. I would say that even I don't know second that to the bad guy. I think Scarface knew he was. Bad. I would um, I would challenge that a little bit. That was Scarface. But go ahead, finish Not second night the, the villain bad guy. in the sense that second night to the bad guy. You ever seen Scarface? I've seen Scarface, okay. but I don't remember that line. They're not like they see themselves as the hero of their story. People want to see want to see themselves as the hero of their stories. That's true. And they will make other people and other things into villains. And I read an interesting thing one one day, and it was like, everybody wants to be the hero of their own story, and you're, but you're probably the villain in somebody else's story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. like, I'm probably the villain in somebody's story because it's my fault because of, you know, all these things. He's sitting right across from us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right here. I love you. Say goodnight to the bad guy. <laughs> but they, you know... You can't cut them all, Mark. You can't cut them all. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> so, like I would even say, some of like the you know the serial killers and all that stuff, they don't see themselves as villains. They see what they did as right and just, and as you know, like. The, I think there's there is an exception. I think what you're talking about is the exception. I, I think there are a few that that believe, and usually they're what we would call psychopaths, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and. I, I I would say the vast majority of villains they recognize that they recognize that lot like Darth Vader like I'm pretty sure the dude knew what he was doing was probably not so great but he still continued to do it like Palpatine he was a bad guy I mean we can go through pick anyone mm-hmm. Thanos I think is one of the exceptions mm-hmm. um, the Joker in Batman like dude just lived to watch the world burn like. He, he was just all about causing chaos, and that's all there was to it. Like, I, I really feel like the general consensus, Lion King, Scar, like, he knew he was not doing the right thing. Like, all of these guys, they knew they weren't doing the right thing, but they were so narcissistic and so, so bent on their own power and authority manifesting itself on, up, above others that they were – they were willing to to do the wrong things in order to bring about an outcome, and they were willing to live in that. So, so, so that would still make them a hero to themselves. Maybe because I'm, I'm I'm using my what I want to do to change the world around me. Like, how is that not 
the hero? How is that not making themselves the hero? Because it's a, it's all about me. It's all about what I want to do. What what I want to, you know, if I want to torture people or I want to kill them or I want to whatever, like eat them, yeah. uh, to, to <laughs> you me, know, whatever. Like they are they they don't see themselves. Yeah. Well, let's look at it from their perspective for a second, right? Like let's let's take Star Wars. Okay. I yeah. mean, I don't know Star that they Wars. would use the term hero, but like they don't see themselves as the villain. Okay. Well, I mean, I, mean, I think the, Star Wars. Or even that they've the, done anything the, wrong. The rebels were the good guys were in Star they? Wars, right? I mean, like yeah. if they would have just like gone along with the 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 Empire, right? Mm-hmm. Let's think about it for a moment. Let's, from the bad guys' perspective, yeah, right? Do it. Like they only killed and destroyed peoples that stood up against them, right? Like that's what we see. Is it was the people that stood up against them were taken out, right? So what if wouldn't that have saved a lot of lives if they had just if they had just allowed it and stopped fighting it like i don't know that's got to think of well, from got, their perspective you know, for a moment you know the, all the oppression that happened even if the ones that didn't stand up and fight they were people were still oppressed but why were they oppressed they were oppressed because they there were people standing up and fighting against it like Okay, let's think about it from a, a, a simple, a more simple lifestyle perspective, okay? Like, I watched uh, What is a Woman, right? The, the Matt Walsh documentary. Mm-hmm. And he went over to Africa as part of, part of this documentary. And he talked to the people there. And the people there were what I would call very simple, right? They, they did their, their things that they did f- during their livelihood and they were happy with it and they just, they did what they had to do mm-hmm. and it, they fell into their roles and it, they were happy regardless, right? Mm-hmm. Like they just, they, they were okay with it. They, mm-hmm. That's just the thing. Like, so <laughs> I don't know. I almost wonder if it's because there's a part of us that's, narcissistic that wants more mm-hmm. we i want more for me the, you know the, i want more things i want more stuff yeah i want more of this and that that causes us to say well i'm not gonna sit here and you know harvest the fields and and you know go home to my spouse and kids and and just have a simple life i want to have you know, I want to have a lot of money. I want to have a big house. I want to have uh, a car. I want to have, you know, three cars. I want to have a bicycle. I want to have all these different things, right? Like, that, that is the primary motivator for people to, to get more, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to, to, to strive to do things differently. And that's almost a narcissistic standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. It, what it does is, just like a postmodern culture, it elevates pleasure above purpose. I mean, we, the, the ultimate end goal to the end game, there you go, the end game for us as human beings, what is it? Bible tells us that it's to be holy, and the Bible right. tells us it's to bear God's image. But our, our philosophies say otherwise that the end goal the the whole reason for human life is is to simply live in pleasure as as long as you can and as many days as you can and then die that's it yeah like it doesn't look at itself beyond the 
few years we're given on earth. Like we don't, we don't see an eternal perspective. Um, and that's the thing that separates, that's supposed to separate us as believers from the rest of the world is we have an eternal perspective. We recognize humans were created with purpose and that our lives all have meaning. And to the end of all of that, pleasure is low on the totem pole, right? Where our purpose as being holy is is the, the top tier. That's the thing we're going to achieve. That's the thing we never, achieve, we never achieve in this life. And that's the thing that only comes through Jesus. But it's definitely a, a paradigm shift. It requires a massive paradigm shift that I, has, that rift is, has been in existence since the beginning of humanity. Adam and Eve, they left holy to have pleasure. Then you see that spiral up to Noah's Ark where everybody left the holy to have pleasure and then you have the Ark narrative and God eliminating the vast majority of humanity in order to start again only for humanity to once again desire pleasure Noah in the vineyard right just drinks himself stupid right whatever happened with Ham and Noah, I don't know. Um, and I mean, you can follow that trajectory the entire way through Scripture, and the the entire way through human history. Anytime we've sought pleasure as the ultimate end goal, it's always ended up with an utter oppression of a at least a person, if not a people group. See, I think that. I've been thinking a lot about America lately, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, it's my context, and it's the things that we end up going to. Um, and I think that our forefathers did something really cool. What, What is the American dream? I've been thinking a lot about the American dream lately. Like, what to you guys, what is the American dream? Like, what would you say is the American dream? Yeah, I mean, I would say the cultural statement of the American dream is... A uh, house in the suburbs with a picket fence, you know, 2.5 children, a dog, and a boat, and an SUV. And I say that that, that is not the American dream. That's what they've sold us is right. the American yeah. dream. Right. But And I don't the, know that f- as many people buy into that anymore as they used to. Oh, oh no. I think now, they do. Now, well, I think now we are an incredibly jaded, like, yeah. the, these, the generations millennial, post-millennial, Mm-hmm. are just so jaded. Well, here's the thing. Like, okay, so you get the group of people who aren't wealthy mm-hmm. that are saying, ah, the rich, they do nothing all day and they have all the money, mm-hmm. right? But if you were to give them a billion dollars, they would take it in a heartbeat mm-hmm. and they would become one of those wealthy people mm-hmm. that they hate so much, right? right? Like, it, that's that's the selling of the American dream that we've been sold, but that's not what the founders stated was the american dream right, right? Yep. what the founders stated with the american dream i think is it holds true for really just the dream of humanity and that is life liberty and the pursuit of happiness the fact that you can pursue the things that you have been called to mm-hmm. right like to the, the things that actually are that way mm-hmm. so like for me i'm happy i have the american dream mm-hmm. and in in 
in our context, Everybody like hear that, I'm the American dream. That's right. Um, <laughs> at least oh one part God. of it. <laughs> uh, Sorry, <laughs> your reaction. But like, are the best. that's I'm, I am, I am absolutely uh, content with where I'm at. It doesn't mean I'm complacent necessarily. You know why that is? I'm, I'm content. Because you're a white I'm... male evangelical, straight white evangelical <laughs> male. Yeah, and you know how much that I make a year. As a white, yeah, straight dude. white guy, I right? Like, yeah. I, I make yeah. maybe 18. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. right? So, like, I mean, the two of us combined have never made more than 50. Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah, sure. But I make less than half of the people out there that aren't like me, mm-hmm. you know? So, sure. You can say, I mean, not you saying that, but I'm just saying, like, I know, dude. They I'm can just say that, right? Like, but that's that's, what that's I'm totally, doing. Yeah. that's totally a load of BS, yeah. right? And and the fact that people can't be in a place where they can be happy with their finances, and that they can't be in a place where they're happy with their life, is absurd, and it's on them. It's because they've bought this bill of goods mm-hmm. that is a fake American dream, right? I don't know if that it's fake. I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to challenge you on it. Do it. Okay. Because the whole idea, your idea of American, of the American dream is different, completely different from mine. Okay. And is com- obviously different well, what's, from what, hers. Yeah, what is yours? Um, mine is, my idea of the American dream is to become better than I was yesterday. Right? Okay. And having the freedom to become better than I was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I just, so I just came back from vacation, uh, went to uh, Northwest Georgia. We took a trip up to uh, Asheville, Carolina. We visited the Biltmore House, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Vanderbilts, mm-hmm. right? Humongous house. This mm-hmm. guy was disgustingly rich, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, his, and, and those guys that built America from the ground up, their idea of being of the American dream was just a little bit more. It's just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Rockefeller's uh, big statement, how much is enough money? Well, just a little just bit a more. Just a little bit more, yeah. Just a little mm-hmm. bit more. Right, that's narcissistic. So, but why is that narcissistic? Why is because it's I all about I don't you. think it's no, narcissistic. No, 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 no. I, it's, it's, I, it's, a, it's a drive mm-hmm. to become better than you were yesterday. I guess, okay, I, the narcissistic statement is a little premature, right? Because it's all about why are you driving towards more right Mm -hmm. like to me especially when it comes to money right like when you're saying just a little bit more is enough like then you're going to be chasing that the rest of your life and it's not necessarily a good thing but what's wrong with it what's wrong with it yeah why are you chasing it that's what's wrong with it nine times out of ten the reason that people are chasing it is because they feel like they don't have enough i'm going to disagree again because there are people who who drive to do certain things because they're wanting to build a better today or that's a better tomorrow. Though, because that's not about money. But it's all driven off of money. L- l- let me no, tell you something. No, nothing. The, you're right. Wait, hold on, on a second. On. Wait no, a minute. No, wait a minute. The, the dollar bill. Everything revolves around. I get that. I get that. But but the drive is not the money, right? The money is how you get to where you're driving to. But the drive is not the money. The drive is the better place. Right. We want a better tomorrow. Money is going to be what it takes to get there. But the drive is not the money when the drive becomes the money. 
No, when the drive becomes the money, that there is the love of money, and that is the root of all evil. The drive should always be that better tomorrow. The drive, once it becomes, once the shift in thinking becomes the drive being just a little bit more money, right? But that's how that's how it all works. That's no, how finances drive, work. That's how America works. The drive works. needs to be, this is my target. This is what I, I long to see that better tomorrow. What it takes to get there is going to be money. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. It's going to take a lot of different things. But it, when your focus becomes the money, that is when you're off track. So here's, here's what I kind of hear you both saying. I, I get it. Wealth drives influence in, in a lot of instances. Um, and I hear you talking about there's more than what that means to have influence. And I think you're right. I mean, let's go to the Bible. Okay, I'll be the guy that brings us back there. Jesus was poor. He had no wealth. And he relied on the generosity of the women that followed him. They're the ones that funded his ministry. But it certainly wasn't, they weren't staying in the, like the Hilton. Like, they were sleeping on the side of the road. Like, that's, they were going from house to house. So Jesus had the most profound impact on human history, more so than anybody else, tenfold more so than anybody else. And he did it with nothing, with little. So I think... I think you're you're right, both of you, in some of this, because now in the way that we live, the culture that we live in, it's hard to have any influence without any wealth because they're the people that are I mean it doesn't even it doesn't even matter like how well educated you are. If you have money, you've got a platform. Mm-hmm. You, you look at all sure. of you look at all of the the professional athletes that <laughs> have become you know, incredible political commentators, like, and barely graduated high school, right? And basically got a degree in sports management or something like that from college, right? So, and most of that's because they had tutors that were working with them to help them pass their classes, right? And 70% of them end up broke (laughs) once they retire. Or every year. Or every year. There you go. So, like, you've got... You've got that, but you also hear their tweets getting elevated, their stuff getting reshared, their stuff. Like, they will find the most obscure athlete that has the stance, like our media, will find the most obscure athlete that has the stance that they want. They'll get the soundbite from them and say, because this guy is a pitcher for the Atlanta Braves or the Chicago White Sox or whatever, and he says this thing, it must mean it's right. So yeah, you're you're right on on that point. It's not the way things ought to be. It's just the way things are. So here's here's kind of the. I'm also not saying that that's not how things are. Right. I'm saying that that's wrong. Yeah. Like the how is that wrong? The, the, See, this the is the focus. problem that I have. Yeah. Is that is that here's, let here's me give why. you let me give you an example. Okay. Let me okay. give you an, give example. an example. There was uh, again. We're gonna go back to the Biltmore mm-hmm. thing. Um, I'm on my way down. There's so when you arrive at the Biltmore, you arrive elevated mm-hmm. from the actual grounds a little bit. You're looking dead at the house, and then you take this walkway down. You head up to the to the house to take the tour. Mm-hmm. On my way down, I hear uh, a, a, I didn't see them. I only heard them. A small child go, uh, "Dad, why is that house so big, and why are the doors so different?" 
<laughs> and the, the, the only thing that I caught from the dad's answer was, well, when you have too much money, this is what happens. And mm-hmm. it was, he went on and on and on about mm-hmm. it. And I'm just like, why did it have to come out that way? Mm-hmm. Why couldn't it come out as, look, when you apply yourself mm-hmm. to whatever you're doing, this can be the end result. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have to drive for that. I don't disagree with that either. But you just said it was no, wrong. No, 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 no. I think he's saying that shouldn't be the wealth. motivator. It's yeah. not wrong to have wealth. I, I am not saying that at all. I'm saying that the better life should always be the focus. I understand that it takes money a lot of times to build that better tomorrow. But when the focus becomes the money then that's what's wrong. When the focus becomes the money and not the better tomorrow, you're going to you're going to get off track 99 times out of 100. I will guarantee you Dodge, Henry Ford and Chevrolet, those three guys when they were making their cars, they weren't worried about making better cars. They were made worried about making better cars to make money. Henry Ford, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. Right. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that they were right. That's a wrong mentality. But without that mentality, you wouldn't be driving the vehicle that you're driving outside. I didn't say that I wouldn't, but it doesn't mean it's right. That's the thing. Like just because the wrong people believing and driving after wrong things has created things that we use and have come to know as good things have come into existence. That doesn't make their mentality about things correct. The drive is correct, right? Like, I agree with that 100%. Things, you driving to make something better for tomorrow, even for yourself, fine. I don't think making money is wrong. I don't think making money is wrong either. And I don't think the drive to make money is wrong. I think the focus being on the money is wrong. Uh, I disagree. Because... Well, then, then what, how do you interpret the love of money is the root of all evil? How do you interpret that? Because the focus being on the money is the love of money. That is what that is talking about. But it depends on what you're talking about. It it depends on what you're talking about. I'm driving after a, a, I am driving after the dollar so I can have a better life for my wife, my kids and everything else. Okay. That is my focus when I'm, when I'm at business. Right. But my eternal focus is still on God. Okay. Okay. But that's, that's the thing. The money is not the drive. It the doesn't. It's not the drive. The money is how you get to the drive. What's where's your where your focus is 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 to but have something better saying, for but your what, family. But what I'm hearing you say is that it, it's wrong for me to be thinking about how and how to make an extra dollar in order to provide a better a better life for my no. no my, I'm my, saying my that when the dollar and the extra dollar becomes the focus, becomes the more drive, the most important, the thing. most important thing out of that. And you lose, you you start failing because you, the drive and the focus should be how do I make a better life for my family, my children, you know, my wife, my children, and and all of that. That is the drive, right? That that is the whole motivator. That is the whole purpose that you even make the dollar, right? When the dollar becomes the focus, though, you you lose sight of your family because you're focused on the dollar. I'm not saying making money is a bad thing. I'm not saying trying to figure out how to make more money is a bad thing. I'm saying you've got to constantly be checking yourself because when the dollar became, becomes the focus, the no longer is the focus on the better tomorrow. Hmm. You, you, you guys, you ever watch The, the Greatest Showman? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. with yeah. the Hugh Jackman, P.T. Barnum story. Not a movie guy. All You've right. never seen. Okay, but you're a music uh, guy. You got to see it. Yeah, okay. it's okay. it's right. really it good. And great, I'm, I'm gonna tell you it's what, a musical. Like, it's it's awesome. Yeah, okay. like it's a musical, and dude, I straight up hate musicals, but right. I will watch that over okay. and over. And even sometimes Casey and the girls will be like. Why are you watching that? It's a musical. I'm like it's just it's good. Like and the storyline behind it is so it is good. Really it's good. this. I mean, and and it's almost it's almost Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes esque because you've got this guy P. T. Barnum. Okay, we know who he is. Like he's the the circus guy, right? He comes from absolutely nothing, and his desire and his drive becomes. I want to number one prove this this my father-in-law wrong who didn't approve at all of his daughter marrying this guy because they were people of means and he was not. Um, and it becomes his, his drive is I want to entertain people, but I want to do so in order to earn, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's I want the influence. I want, I want everything. I want to be able to provide all of this. I'm going to provide this, this massive mansion for my wife and my children to grow up in. And That's better they, than my father-in-law's. Right, yeah. yeah. And it's all, like, the drive behind it is, oh, it's got to be better than, than these people that have looked down on me so I can show to them, them wrong. right, that, yeah. I, that I've been able to do this thing. And, I mean, he becomes wildly successful. And then he takes his success to a point and a place where he stepped out of, out of the like he got to a place where that became all more, that more it was more important than his, about his right family. and then then he goofed around on his wife and she left him and like all these like his life just unraveled at that point mm-hmm. and and then he started to see at the end like what was far more valuable at least in the movie right i don't know if, if it all actually played out that way but the 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 P.T. Barnum, the circus event, like the building that they had and ended up getting burned down because everybody thought they were a bunch of freaks. And P.T. Barnum makes his way back into town and he like his life is unraveling and his primary source of income has now unraveled itself. And and the he's like, I don't even know what to do. And everybody's turned their back on me because I forced them all away. And then you see all of the the people, all of his his freak show people, right? They come and they rally around him. And he sees at the end, like, oh my gosh, man, life is so much more than the pursuit of the dollar. And even if I, like, shame on them, if they look down on me because I don't have, like, you see this immense change of heart, at least as it's revealed in the movie. You don't, I don't know if that was really P.T. Barnum's story, but, um, but it, it all shifts once he got to that place. He had to get to the place of being on the top in order to realize that's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, and it, it got to that point of like every meaningless, meaningless, like everything is meaningless. Didn't stop him from consen- continuing to pursue this whole circus life, but he, he divorced himself from some of the other prestige that went along with, I'm going to have this immaculate singer that sells out ballrooms and gets me in front of the most affluent people as opposed to this circus which brings the average everyday ordinary guy that's looking for entertainment and family and escape and, from and, his reality right, basically right yeah. so so i i i i hear what both of you guys are saying and i think there is absolutely a fine line to toe in in all of that like i okay 
Now I'm going to keep going, right? So <laughs> big surprise. I, I went on the. <laughs> you are a preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple years ago, several years ago, uh, Casey and I we went on we went on a few mission trips. We went to Haiti. We went in 2010, 2012, 2014, um, and one of those that stood out the most was in 2014. I, I remember coming back from the mission trip and feeling immense guilt mm-hmm. because. I came back to a job that put me in a cubicle that I wore a shirt and tie to every day, that sales was my gig uh, for the most part. Um, and I made a ridiculous salary doing it. And I went home and we had a great house and I paid for private school for my, my kids. And um, like we, we could go on Disney vacations when we lived in Pennsylvania and like, we had on paper all of the things. And I remember just feeling this immense guilt because I had those things. And then it got me to a place of thinking, you know, if I'm not in this role, someone else will be. And I have the privilege and the ability to be able to steward the finances and the opportunities that God's given to me through this. So I can give more to the church. I can serve more in different ways. I'm going to get in front of people whom I wouldn't be able to get in front of otherwise because of where I'm at right now. And my whole shift and drive went from, you know, a, a big bonus check to, man, I, I have an opportunity right now to be able to live out what God has done in my life and influence people in a way that I, I wouldn't have that ability to otherwise. Did I see mass conversion in the office? No. Was I able to pray for some people? Yeah. And it Mm -hmm. was really cool where there were guys that and ladies that were far from Jesus that were like, man, my mom's not doing so great right now. Would you mind praying for her? And I, we could. And somebody, you know, one of the other guys that I worked with that was just combative, kind of found himself in that agnostic realm. Like we would have some deep theological discussions because he wanted to really understand how I could believe and think the way I did and got him to a place where he's like, maybe it is right. I don't know. I don't, I'm not in, but maybe it is like, and it allowed for some unique opportunities. So my focus had to shift a little bit. I didn't feel guilty about the ridiculous income that I had at that point. I didn't feel guilty about being able to send my kids to private school and giving them opportunities and advantages, perceived opportunities and advantages. I didn't feel guilty about being able to write a big check and put it in the, the offering plate every, every Sunday or every two weeks when I got paid. I didn't feel guilty about those things anymore because I knew I had an opportunity to be able to, for God to reveal himself through the work that I was doing in a way that, that wouldn't have been possible otherwise. So, but all of that came from a decade of really hard work. Mm. And I, I, I mean, for 11 years, I dedicated myself to that company. And I started when I was 19. And a lot of people looked down on me because I was a 19-year-old in, at that point, an industry that was, you didn't see young people in. Like, and, and I worked hard and I worked myself to the next level and I worked hard and I worked myself to the level after that. And I worked hard and I worked myself to the level after that. And I, I built a reputation about the guy that was reliable, 
the guy that was thorough, the guy that was brought energy and enthusiasm to the work that he was doing, the, a, a company guy that was sold out for what he was, what he was doing. Um, and so the, the, the hard work piece behind that, even though my intention wasn't always the, the proper intention, got me to a place where my intention could be and I was able to give back to the kingdom or contribute back to the kingdom in ways that I wouldn't have been able to otherwise. So I don't know if that really helps this discussion where you guys were, but I think you guys are agree a whole lot more than what what yeah, you're saying. I think that so like for your example, right? The just a little bit more, right? How much is enough? Just a little bit more. I think the answer would have been better had it been when tomorrow's a little better. Because tomorrow never comes, right? So when tomorrow's a little better. If it's the focus the focus is on tomorrow comes. being better and not on having a little bit more money. I agree 100%. It takes money to to have better things for innovation to happen for for all of that stuff to to come about. I agree 100%. And there is a lot of selfish people in the world that do focus on them making the money. I I get that too. And you know what? A lot of them have made a lot of great things. Like I really like Amazon. You can't tell me he didn't make that company to make him money and and to focus on the money to to I mean I I think that Amazon has shaped a lot of laziness <laughs> in the country, but it allows us to have goods that we wouldn't necessarily have access to as well. So like I I think that there's a lot of good things that have come about from wrong and selfish intentions okay not necessarily wrong intentions but selfish intentions so my thought process is just that when tomorrow's a little better that should have been the answer because that was the goal then the drive is different the drive is completely different rockefeller's drive would have been completely different Mm -hmm. i think so i mean it could have been better though that's what i'm saying like that the drive could have it could have impacted in a i mean we got to talk about this from a christian perspective right cuz mm-hmm. like that's what we're all about mm-hmm. so like our and i know not all of these guys that we're talking about are christian i don't know if the rockefellers had any kind of ties with religious anything but like they're part of the illuminati i honestly don't know hardly anything about them so i i can't speak to any of that but what i'm saying is like we as christians have to think about this from the perspective of we our goal is is has to be loftier than money it has to be on the better tomorrow when tomorrow's a little better because that is the goal right it's it's i to just have the jesus in in a little bit more people right i just think the line of thinking uh, that line of thinking just breeds jealousy and it breeds contempt for people who we really you you know in, in self-admitted you know very little about right because you go uh, you know again i'm going to go back to the guy that i heard as i'm going toward this house mm-hmm. His first line of thought was, "Well, this guy's got too much money, yeah. and you know, the, yeah. What, but what not, is the, but re- I, the what is the better response? This dude made a lot of really smart business decisions, or and he works really hard, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. right. I agree. And obviously, it's still paying off because we're paying to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the whole story is that the, you know when the depression hit, that that the state struggled, and the mm-hmm. only way to keep it going was to open the doors. Mm-hmm. And now they got vineyards and sell mm-hmm. a bunch of wine and chocolate and stuff I'm, I don't I'm, need. I guess I'm just confused on how that... It, any and everything can breed jealousy, right? Like, people will find a reason to be jealous of their neighbor 
It just has always been. Look at the Ten Commandments, right? Like, so I, I just there there is a better way to look at. It. Absolutely, he should have said, "Well, these guys they applied themselves, and they did what they were passionate about. They did what they loved, and and this is the end result of that. They left a legacy." as an end result like that would have been a better response right like mm-hmm. than uh when people just have too much money i mean i hear that a lot right i hear mm-hmm. that from a lot of people who don't have a lot of money I, i'm around democrats all day long sorry <laughs> <laughs> just kidding i don't but know dude usually they're the uh the oh, elitists with their nose turned up it, it, anyways so that's something here there but it, it's is that's you're right that that's a horrible response to have however it doesn't change the fact that there could have been better more uh, there could have been something better left for people mm-hmm. had a focus been on a better tomorrow versus just a little bit more money mm-hmm. even yeah. even if you're running after the money to have a better tomorrow if the focus becomes on the money portion that's when I think things are da- dangerous. Or and there is something good. to say in that case because he wasn't take he also wasn't taking into account like all the people that would out have had to work there to keep it clean to make those the craftsmen the specialization like all of that stuff because he employed people was able to keep the economy going was able to make that place in it you know an affluential place that people still go to today. Like he, you know, because of his stuff, like the city's built kind of around it ish, you know, like how much he changed that community and those people that lived there and like with jobs and stuff like that and job security and stuff like that. So it's not like he was just sitting on his money either, like, and not doing anything with it and just like hoarding it and keeping it to himself. Like, Sure, I'm not even yeah. talking about him necessarily. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. that's not my point. My point is not talking about mm. these people I don't know much about, right? Like, obviously, like, I'm my, fo- my point is just that you, we can't have the focus on the money is, is my thing. The focus can't be on the I'm not saying money can't be on the mind, right? But I got my focus. mind on my money and my money on my mind. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I got to I, gotta have, we got to have that. Um, it's just the focus, right? Like the focus should be on the tomorrow with the knowledge that money is what's going to take to get there. And I mean, in a perfect world, if, if holiness is our end goal, we will be innovative. If holiness is our end goal, we'll think about the things that are best for the people around us, right? If we're keeping Christ truly at the center, like we will be servants to other people, but that won't neglect things like, holy cow, I think this invention, invention, inventing an automobile, could revolutionize things. And you might get wealthy from it, but the innovation behind it will, will kind of be a driving factor more so than anything else. I mean, you, you wonder now, like, we've been Henry Ford creating the, you know, the automobile and the combustion engine and the, the, uh, the manufacturing line, like, we're in a place right now where so many people are talking about how cars are the devil, right? Because of carbon, supposed carbon emissions and how it leads to so much turmoil in our world. Like, how much are we hanging on to the combustion engine in lieu of other options? 
because of the money that's tied to the oil oh. industry and the automotive industry and all of the varying industries. I mean, oil, number one, like the petroleum industry, like, ha- I mean, that's billions, if not trillions of dollars associated with that. And I mean, you think about other other options, like like options with electric, which still is not all right there because you still need a power grid which relies on some sort of other energy in well, order and to not that not work. to mention the the havoc you cause on the environment by strip mining to get sure. the, they get the materials to make sure. that car. so you, yeah you've got batteries that are yeah. associated with that you think about hydrogen right that's supposed to be a very tangible solution that doesn't necessarily result in a hydrogen bomb every time you have an accident because lord knows there would be nothing left of lehigh acres if we had, <laughs> if we had that in a in a non-safe way, but supposedly that's something that's starting to, de- or has been developed in a safe-ish way, but you don't hear anything about that. So it's like their innovation is, is a fantastic thing and we need to always strive towards it. Think about nuclear f- uh, fission as opposed to nuclear fusion, nuclear fusion as opposed to fission. F- f- uh, fission is what we do right now. Um, uh, Fusion provides more energy, more sustainable, though erratic energy, if it's not contained in the the appropriate way, than fission does. Um, And yet, we also want to go out and build solar panels, solar farms, and windmills that make sense-ish, but don't make sense at all on a grand scheme. So... But we're going to talk about how we need to shut down all of these other things because they're wrong and bad and ugly mm-hmm. and nasty and dirty. So, go. We had everything we needed in the garden mm-hmm. for the best. That was the best life. That's still that best life, right? Is that garden. Sure. Like, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I love having a car. I love having our house i love having all of my dnd air conditioning and i love having air, air conditioning. conditioning and i love all of these things but what what would have been best for my family is the garden like and and i understand i understand the goals and i understand what everybody like is driving well not everybody because some people are driving for self but like it's still to some extent selfish because it's more than what you need. I don't think we'll ever be separated from that on this side of eternity. I, I agree. I, I, I agree. It's just not possible. I mean, well, what it, I'm saying is the focus being on some of that stuff, yeah. I think, is, is where I know. Roll your eyes, Lizzie, because I keep going. I'm, I'm not saying the same things, although I've got the same point. And we're done. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't understand how a, a drive for money is not the love thereof. So I guess if you can explain that, that would be awesome. Like, I do not understand how the drive for money is not the love thereof. I just don't. Unless you're just not meaning the same words that yeah, you're saying. I, I don't know, so. man. Like, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I think that part is wrong. I mean, the reason why we wake up and go to work is to get a paycheck for the yeah, most but, part. But the drive is not the money. It's the... The no, survival. no, the dr- no. The drive is the money. 
My the, drive is not the money. The, okay, well, you're, you're, did, okay, did, listen, did, listen. Well, okay, can, listen. if you're going to let, yeah. if you're going to, if this is a conversation. Yeah. Mark's yeah. turn. Yeah. You be Mark. quiet. Mute go him. Go, Mark. Go, Mark. <laughs> go, Mark. Yeah, go. Ahead. No, Mark, it's your turn. No. <laughs> I'm saying go. Derek's not allowed to talk right now. I'm going to put him the, in the, the drive room. is the money. The drive is that when I get up the, and I go to my office and I deal with the eight to five, six, seven o'clock in the, in the evening, it's not because, um, well, I, I got to be very careful because I do, I do love my job. I love what I do. Uh, but the love of that. Somebody paid you $13 an hour to do what you're doing right now. Would you do it? Not on your life. There you go. Not on your life. Yep. Nope. I would go and do something else. Uh, it, it probably within the same field, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't do this job for for thirteen bucks an yeah. hour. There ain't no way. Yeah. And it's not know, worth the aggravation. I, I I don't know how you okay. I know how you feel about that right now, but there's nothing inherently wrong with that. There's nothing inherently wrong because you're not doing it because of the love of money. You are doing it because it's a job that needs to be done. You've worked hard. You've been in the industry for a long time. You've been promoted to this point. You're willing to bear the burden because the burden is worth the reward that comes out on the other side. Exactly. Too. So you get a you get a good paycheck for putting up with a bunch of crap. Right. And that's the way it that's the way it works. Right. You know, and when I wasn't at a desk, I was driving a van and listening to people complain and and fixing alarm systems. Yeah. And, and that's what I did. That doesn't mean you love money. It just it's the trade off for this. My time is worth this amount of effort, which equates to this amount of dollars. And that is it. Now, right. if you feel trapped by that, dude, I think you should find a way to get out of it. Because there, up my, my very last year working for Verizon in, in 2014, I felt trapped. And I started to pray. And the crazy thing is, it was one of the best years that the territory that I was in had. And I want to say it was because of me. But in large part, the, the solutions that I offered, that we saw a 250% increase. Now, it didn't speak well for the years before, but it, there was a 250% increase in, in sales, in strategic sales right. that I had. Um, so that didn't speak to the, the effort that that I put in, I put in the effort, but I felt trapped. And I started to pray to God to do something like to help me, f help me, help me lead into something that is actually going to be fulfilling because making this amount of money is really great and really cool, but it's not satisfying. There's, it's, it can't be about the money. And God was like, yeah, mama, you're going to go work maintenance on a college university for the next three years and make 850 an hour mm -hmm. okay cool like whatever but i i get what you're saying and there's nothing wrong with things like side hustles where it's like i love sneakers church i worked at before bunch of guys loved sneakers and there was this thing that you could get on to these limited release sneakers and then you can turn around and sell them for two, three, four, five hundred bucks. And they would do that. And I don't think there was anything wrong with it. Somebody's going to buy them anyway. So it's like, why not be that guy? So it's like they weren't doing it for the love of money, but they were doing it to be able to provide more for their families. 
and they kind of had a passion to do it as well. Another guy sold mattresses, like just the way that he, I mean, he still does. He's got three storage units full of mattresses that he sells. Like, but it's another way. One of the guys, he made an extra $30,000 in one year doing some of these side hustle things. It was crazy. Like it was almost the same amount he was made in ministry. Right. So it's like that isn't, there's nothing wrong with, and I don't think you can argue with that. My argument is simply that the drive's not at the money. Okay. Everything that you guys have been saying, I don't disagree with, mm-hmm. like, except for where the drive is at. Mm-hmm. Yes. I get what you're saying about the money. I think mm-hmm. you're I using get all of drive that. and motivation as the same thing, and maybe that's where it's not. Well, I don't. I don't know. Maybe, uh, but when the focus becomes the money and not the why you need the money, right? Well, a lot of those things. Uh, sometimes those opportunities too, where you're chasing after the almighty dollar, really helps you understand more about who you are. Sure, but the <laughs> help me after, understand chasing after the almighty dollar. It's glad. I'm glad that you. It made you understand it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the best thing. Chasing after the Almighty Dollar. It might have been what you chose, right? But we got to understand that God has a perfect will, and we generally don't fall into mm-hmm. it. Like, <laughs> like the perfect will, right? The perfect what He wants for us to do Feed is, is this line. But a lot of times we bounce around that line. Uh, I mean, sometimes sure. we do line up with it, and that's awesome. And we feel like our best place when we're falling in line with that line. And then the whole rest of the time, we're just trying to get back to it, especially those of us who understand, right? Mm-hmm. Those of us in this room understand that, mm-hmm. that the drive is Jesus, mm-hmm. right? That that's, that's the end goal. That's the who we want to glorify. That's who we want to please in the end. Mm-hmm. And so his will is where we want to be. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's where we want to be. We screw up a lot. And we end up wanting our own things a lot. And so we go on this windy path when there's a straight path that is God's will that he wants us to be on. And that's the perfect will. So, like, you could have done things according to God's perfect will for your life, but you didn't. And so he used where you were at to reel you in. Right? Fair. So I don't don't know. Like, I maybe, maybe the word drive is where I'm missing things, but, like, Drive to me means focus, and and that is the thing that motivates you, and that is the thing that. But really, that's the, the other side of that. Like, the, I can only speak from my experience, but money was a motivator. It did help me get up every morning and go to work, but it was never the primary motivator, because there were a lot of guys around me that made a whole lot more money that flamed out, like. Because okay. that was the sole thing that they My were chasing. My question, though, is, is like, is that really the motivator? Is it the stuff you want to do with the money? That's the, what the motivator is. Sure, that could like, be the motivator. I understand you need the money to right. do the things that you want. Like D&D, man, I spend way too much money on D&D stuff, yeah. right? Dungeons and Dragons, for those of you who haven't heard the podcast Dungeons before. Dungeons and Dorks. Dungeons and Dorks. <laughs> um, dorks and Dragons. Boom. Uh, just Dorks and Dorks. Um, <laughs> it's one of the three. More, I don't know more which. Appropriately, is. it's the third one. Um, probably. <laughs> but like it, it, it takes it takes a lot of money to satisfy some of those desires, right? Those wants. And yet, my motivation's not the money. It's the getting the D and D stuff. I don't care 
where the getting the money comes from. It's the getting the D and D stuff that I. Ooh, now that I now want, you're getting right? into some shady territory. Okay, <laughs> that's not what I meant. You know what I mean? Like the the point is the focus coming isn't where the money is coming Lehigh. from. The focus is the I want to get the D and D stuff right. Like yeah. that's why I need the money. Want because D and D stuff's not a need, but I have to have money in order to get the D and D stuff mm-hmm. right. So like. My focus is I want to get this D and D stuff, so it makes things worth it in in the pro to go through this process of getting the money, so that I can have the D and D stuff. That can operate in the same exact with the same exact rationale that Mark was talking about. In fact, I think that might be worse. What do you mean? Because you want to think. You just want this thing, so it's like I don't even care. Like I'm gonna go do this no. do this job, whatever. I'm gonna get the money. To do the thing, but what I'm saying, it's using, idolatry. I'm using it as an example, right? Like, <laughs> I'm using it as an example. Like, the thing could be, you know, food, mm-hmm. right? Like, being able to eat. Mm-hmm. That could be the thing. I want to be able to sustain myself. Right. Therefore, I have to have money in order to get the food to sustain myself. Therefore, I've got to go to work to get the money. To get the food to sustain myself, like that's that's my point. Is there's things that you want to buy, mm. money itself does nothing for you. Mm. Money Stuff. itself does nothing. Well, I it's the things you do with the money that does things. Look at mo- look at look at the way that things work with rich people and politicians, right? They the fact that rich people have money does nothing for the politicians. It's the fact that rich people give the politicians the money that then motivates the politicians to do things for them. To like, say the things they say. It's just do the things they do. It's what you do with the money, right? That actually has effect. So the but the motivator is still get is still getting up in the morning and going to work to make cash, so that I can do this thing. But the motivator to go to work is to get cash. I I wouldn't go to work if I didn't need want to get this thing, <laughs> and it need to have money. Like I need money to do this thing, like that. Right, but I'm. But okay, I'm, but, so for me, yeah, I really right, feel like you're both talking life. from the same exact perspective. Yeah, well, we are. And you're arguing against yeah. him because of what he's, what his perspective is. But we've gone way too long. Yeah, <laughs> we've gone so way too long. I feel like okay. we really just got to put a pin in this whole thing, and we can talk about. We're not it. coming back to this one. Just like, just, just like <laughs> we talked about. Like there, there's, there's. I, I honestly, I just can't get on board with the idea that money can be the focus. I just can't get on board with that because I don't understand how you can have money as a focus cool. and it not become D&D can be so. the focus, though, so it's cool. So. Well, D&D <laughs> being the focus of my life is wrong, too. Right. Like, I'll, I'll throw that out there. Okay, like, good. right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it can be. But I, that's what I'm saying. Like, the focus is, is in the wrong place is all. Cool. So all of our focuses are on the wrong place. Yeah. Just, well, just focus so you on all know. Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's the heart that I think exists behind all of this, right? Mm-hmm. When we when we align our thought process and our heart with Christ, and when we focus and elevate being holy above being happy, being wealthy, being successful, being any of those kind of things inevitably a lot of those other things are going to come because we're going to put in the appropriate amounts of effort that need to be put in. We're going to go above and beyond for the people around us. We're going to show the kindness and the care and the compassion to the people that need to receive kindness and care and compassion. We're going to be good employers. We're going to be good employees. We're going to be good bosses. We're going to be good managers. We're going to be good leaders. We're going to be good servants. We're going to be good 
presumably at all of the things that we are led to because our motivation goes beyond the temporary and is focused on the eternal. Money is good for right now. Jesus never says it's not. In fact, his ministry was built on a few wealthy sponsors that were helping him to to accomplish some of the things that he was doing. Uh, Did he ever have more? No. Did he ever have too much? No. He always had exactly what he needed. And you see that manifesting itself time and time again, that from the rich young ruler who didn't have his heart set in the right place to the widow with two mites who did. Uh, All of them had, all of them encountered what it meant to, to have and to not have on this plane. And all of them will encounter, have encountered the same exact thing on the next. And all of us are going to do the same thing. So the best thing is to keep your eyes and your heart on Christ because he's going to make all of those other things make sense. From the job that you feel like is dead end to the, to the work that you think might be temporary, which all of it really is, um, to the thing that brings you to life when you wake up every morning and you're like, dude, I can't wait to get to the office, to get to the job site, to get to the whatever in order to be able to, to contribute and to give back and to utilize the skill set and the gifts that God's given to me. That is the right heart, and that is the thing that's going to take us to places of immense innovation. And I want to, without this sounding prosperity gospelly, that will be the, the place that can take you to a place of immense wealth and prosperity, too, when it happens with the right heart and the right intention. And the cool thing is, is you're going to know exactly what to do with that when the opportunity presents itself. So it's all a hard issue, which everything really inevitably is. And it's all about putting our hearts in the right places, focusing on the right things, and allowing God to work through us and in us and with us in whatever circumstance we may be led to. Hey, we're grateful for you guys to hang out with us. Um, Check out The Truth Response wherever you check out your podcasts. Tell your friends, tell your families, tell your neighbors, tell the people you don't even like because you know they need Jesus more than you, probably. And don't forget to check out Rise on Sunday where you hear Pastor Nick, truly a wise, wise man, uh, Mm. lay it down on Sunday morning. Boom. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you next week. God bless. Hey, thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and give us a like on iTunes and Spotify so that you will never miss a show. And while you're at it, check out our Facebook and Instagram pages and make sure you tell your friends about this show. You don't want them to miss out on the truth because we are all about the truth. Thanks for joining us this week and God bless.